0: Hi, I'm Paul, and this is Arcnext Sessions. I'm joined with my co-hosts, Donna and Ken. In uh, today's fourth installment of our six-part series of conversations with the architecture community, we are beginning with our conversation with Arielle Lapp, a project manager at Urban Architects in New York City. So
1: I'm Arielle Lapp. I'm a project manager at Urban Architects in Midtown New York, and we actually have Been able to stay in business thanks to CARES Act and PPP. So I'm still doing the same thing um, that I was doing, uh, managing a team and working and working with the clients. Some projects have been put on hold, others are still going. So we're just doing the best that we can.
2: Do you know if the the business has received funding yet from the the CARES Act? Um,
1: I've heard that they have, yes. We enrolled, uh, yes. The last day in April, March. <laughs> We're in, in, in April now. Great. last Bob. day in March, we filed it. And yes, we got the 1.1 that we had put in for, as oh, far as I know. Yeah.
2: Yeah, we've been hearing a lot of, we actually just uh, released a survey on Archonnect today asking Firms, what their response has been so far to the to the uh, stimulus package uh, loan applications there has been a, a big mix of of responses. So that's great to hear that you that you've been funded. So has the office been able to keep everybody so far?
1: We kept everyone except for somebody who was hired a week before the pandemic started,
2: and uh, he was uh, still there... in the
1: trial period.
2: Got it. Got it. Okay. So have there been any pay cuts or or uh, any any changes to hours?
1: Actually, not at this point. We've been able to keep everybody fully employed at the same rate, luckily, for the time uh-huh. being.
2: And so you you're located in New York. That's been a real epicenter of this <laughs> outbreak. What what has what has been living in New York been like for you?
1: Um, it's been not so wonderful. It's nice no. that people are around. It's been pretty stressful. My husband and I actually decamped last week to Long Island where we have uh, a summer home but it was extremely stressful being in the city because every time you go outside you wonder was I exposed do I not have to clean myself again for 14 days um -hmm. and just like not being outside even though we have a tiny little balcony it was just it's really stressful you're in one room basically or like two rooms you know one bedroom apartment you have a bedroom and a living room practically and yeah
2: that's what I that's what I've (laughs)
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> I've heard from friends that live in New York, you know, everything that, that drew people to New York and makes New York such an amazing city is, is, uh, it gone and everybody's stuck in these tiny little apartments. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it seems, it seems to be especially challenging. Have you and, and the people around you managed to stay healthy?
1: Yeah. Uh, well, I think I actually had it, um, in early March. I had an intermittent mm-hmm. fever, low grade fever for about a week a little cough (laughs) and felt extremely fatigued. But I kept to myself and everyone else has remained healthy as far as we know.
2: Yeah, I've been speaking with so many people that have suspect that they may have had it and I'm actually included in that. Um, but who knows if we'll ever find out if we did.
1: Yeah. I mean I'm hoping on that serology test, you know, the antibody one, but they may be by the time we get the access to the test. But some of my colleagues have gotten sick and they were told to that they had COVID and did a quarantine. Some of our clients got it, um, and some of our clients know that they have been exposed.
2: So that's wow. been interesting. Yeah, I guess in a city like New York, it's hard to not know anybody within a few degrees of separation that, that has either been directly affected or or suspected that they've been affected by it.
1: Yeah. I mean, people have been starting to go back outside. I'm involved with an AIA group. Uh, an AIA committee and we have a meeting uh, once a month and we just had ours yesterday we've kind of been talking about how things are going coping mechanisms and people have started to go back outside some people just you know need to exercise so you know they go for a run and wear a mask and i think that's really been a lifeline to people
2: absolutely um how, what was the transition like for your office to uh shift to working from home <laughs>
1: I would say bumpy. Some people had been working from home for a long period of time, you know, usually because they wanted to keep working and it was the weekend. <laughs> um so they had been working remotely. But some people thought took working from home to mean you bring home a set of drawings, physical drawings, and then you come back into work and you scan the drawings. So the transition for people who had not been remoting in with their computer was much more difficult. But um, collaboration using Zoom and using Slack has been wonderful. Um, we've been able to keep our team somewhat connected, although it's not, it's not obviously. But I think we've adapted pretty quickly as an office. It took about a week and a half before people were generally comfortable.
2: So it sounds like there was uh, varying levels of, of a learning curve based on previous yes. experience working remote. What's it looking like outside of the city? You mentioned that you were in Long Island.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty deserted. Um, <laughs> I've gotten to know the flock of turkeys that comes by. <laughs> yeah. um, but, I mean, I haven't really left the house aside from going for a walk. Um on the like the paved asphalt loop and like a little bit in the woods since we've been out here. So I haven't been going into stores or anything. I just kind of want to stay away from everybody. People aren't wearing masks out here and they seem to be less aware of how bad it actually is.
2: Yeah, it seems like there's a lot of lessons to be learned from New York City right now. It seems like the smaller and more rural areas are, are uh, slower to kind of adopt these uh, more extreme strategies to 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 maintain the kind of reduce the, the spread
1: yeah it's kind of alarming to see actually we drove to the beach and stayed in the car um, and people were gathering they were you know outside they were in groups they were not wearing masks not keeping social distance and so we went back home
2: <laughs> probably a good idea Yeah. Well, thank you so much for for sharing your perspective. I hope uh, you and your husband and and your friends and family all stay healthy and that uh, work will continue as it has and your your office stays productive.
1: Yeah, thank you. You too. I did want to say something that I don't know if it's helpful or not, but we've kind of been discussing it within our office uh, about the return to normal. Uh And we don't we kind of don't want things to go back exactly to how they were, because a lot of practices in architecture kind of keep you inside all day long, um, and you don't really see the sun sometimes. Uh-huh. Um, and being able to get outside during the day or set a boundary between when you're at work and when you're at home is actually really helpful. And so when we do go back to whatever normal becomes, I hope that we keep some of these policies, like being more respectful of people's time. So I think that would that's,
2: help. That's a really good point. I, I think that people are, are discovering new ways of living throughout this difficult process that hopefully we will take into kind of the new normal after this, after this continues. So yeah, I think yeah. That, that's, a, that's a great point to add. Yeah. All
1: right. Thank you
3: so much.
0: Thank you. Donna, I think you were the one that wanted to kind of kick off the uh, comments about this one.
3: Yeah. So Ariel was, uh, uh, you know, it's been a couple of weeks now since the work from home really got started. And I, I enjoyed that Ariel said that, that she and her husband pretty much decamped to Long Island to, you know, to get out of the city, to go somewhere else. And, um, I'm really curious now about people who have, who did, you know, they're, they're, you're seeing maps on the internet of people that are uh, where people from New York went to. And I'm really curious about people feeling like they are going to go back to New York. When are they going to go back to the city? So that was a really curious aspect of, of her conversation, to me at least. But the thing that really struck me, and I, uh, again, I feel like it's been a couple weeks now. We've all been on, on lockdown. We've all been trying to d- digest how this affects us. One of the things that she said early on, and I feel like I gravitated to people's saying this kind of thing early on was that she doesn't want us to go back to normal when it's over. She wants us to go back to a new normal, right? That the new normal that is has more appreciation of boundaries between life and work or gives you the opportunity to really find pleasure in your workday rather than just, you know, be like working all the time. And I, I do think that there was a lot of talk 6 or 8 weeks ago about okay when we come out of this are are things going to be different and you know how can they be different how can they be better I don't know that much of that has come to fruition yet but I know that people are still talking about it so I think we'll see if Eventually, when we do start going back to work, states are starting to open up again. I think our office is going back in two weeks. We'll start to see if things will, will be different and if we'll be able to have a new kind of normal that hopefully lets people sort of appreciate what's important in life and, and have some some pleasure during their day, frankly, you know, rather than just being a, a slave to the working machine. And again, I say this as a white collar, totally privileged worker. I know it's different for someone who, you know, it works works as a cashier, but yeah I appreciated that Ariel was saying yeah i I hope that we can uh grow to a better outcome of a new normal when we get through all of this,
0: yeah I mean, I think the i th- that's that's been a very common sentiment from a lot of people that I've been talking to, like not only do people are people using this time to kind of reinvent themselves and and reevaluate the way they've been working but They've also been, I've been hearing a lot of people talking about how the industry itself needs to kind of be reevaluated and, you know, so that we can take this time to look at ways to improve the industry and come back, um, with, you know, working in a, in a better environment and in a better industry. And I think the real test is going to be, is going to see if we are able to kind of, uh, make those changes or, you know, if we'll all kind of fall into that easy trap of just kind of resuming work as we're used to without without kind of making those positive changes in the industry.
4: Yeah. You know, it was interesting to first, not to get, I'll, I'll go I'll go away from what you were just saying for a minute. The thing that was interesting was the 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 timestamp of her, you know, her, her 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 circumstances and the things she was afraid of and all of the, the, the reasons why she moved out to Long Island. That really kind of places that places this call that call really kind of early in the you know even though it was I think she said early April or cause she was confused about what was March or April and but even just hearing her talk about a lot of the fears about going outside am I going to have to re quarantine am I going to have to do you know just that those just the uncertainty that seems to have settled down a little bit so I'm curious to know you know that's one thing and that's one person I would like to check up on is to say hey what you know this is what you were talking about early how, how how has that changed now
3: yeah yeah <laughs> i mean i think the
4: you know for me the big the things that i'm not seeing myself right now from a professional standpoint is that i don't see any engagement of the profession with uh state and local governments at all i mean i've tried to i've i've, e- e- I've messaged emailed my governor emailed the mayor and said you can't just do this without the design professional you it's fine. You have this, but you need to have us engaged in that conversation because this is about space. (laughs) No one's concerned about being outside. Everybody's concerned about interior spaces. That's our domain. And I don't, I don't really see the AIA, um, engaging that conversation. I mean, and part of my, my involvement with the AIA really comes from whatever they, whatever, memos they put out and, and and Paul puts up on Archonnect. But um, so I, I just don't know.
3: I think that's a really good point, Ken. That, and something that's happening here in my city, Indianapolis, and I don't know if other people are seeing this as well, is the city just like two days ago announced, OK, there's four Pretty significantly busy retail restaurant streets that they are planning to close to traffic to allow for more outdoor dining to happen on sidewalks and in you know in areas uh, marked out out on the street. And there's been kind of a huge backlash, in part because the city just announced this. They didn't tell anyone how they were going to do it. They didn't tell any of the business owners you know what they were what each person what each business was going to get or how it was going to be implemented at all. And that's the kind of thing that if they had come to a couple architects a week ago and said, hey, if we wanted to close Mass Ave, what would be the best way to do it to make it still work? And we could solve that problem because we know how space works. We know how traffic needs to move, our bikes need to go, how handicapped people need to move through a space. We get that. But no, the city just decided, oh, we're going to just shut the street down. And now there's this huge, huge, huge backlash. Huge. So, yeah, we need to be involved in those decisions of how do you manage public space? That's what we do. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, little rant there. Little rant there. You want to you want to move on to the next listener or the next uh, interview after my uh, my rant?
0: <laughs> that was a very polite rant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, not much of a rant, Donna. Come on, we got to up your rant game. Ken could give you yeah, some lessons. Yeah. Throw a fuck yeah. in there. You in there. <laughs> Between you and Ken, we can probably average out on on a. On a on the rant game. Um, okay, so let's move on to the next one. Next conversation was conversation that Ken had with Emma Greenberg, who is an architect in New York City.
5: I'm Emma Greenberg. I'm an architect uh, working in New York City. I've been, after six years of experience, working on residential, commercial, and retail projects, I started my own consulting firm, working with architects on their projects, and working on my own projects as well. I also have been um, creating online content through um, Instagram and YouTube. Similar to everyone else in the world, my hours have been cut back. So I'm taking this time to grow my business online. Over the last year, I've spent a lot of time um, creating a personal brand online through Instagram and YouTube on Instagram. It's um, at Emma's Architecture. I speak to um, women who who are busy and would like to have homes that are organized and um, reflect themselves. And I share my experience in residential work, working on really detailed millwork for shoe storage, and um, my own portfolio for inspiration. On YouTube, I interview professionals about their about the profession of architecture about Uh, professional development and also um, kind of outside information so or related information to architecture so i interviewed a real estate agent on residential design for resale so um and so currently i'm using i have additional time and i'm using it to create content i'm batching instagram posts i'm holding lives instagram live and i'm creating a website and My first project on my own, a bathroom renovation, was just completed during this time. CA during quarantine showed me that I actually don't need to be on site and can communicate effectively virtually. One thing that came up for me was the idea of customer service and making things as easy as possible for the client. This was a new challenge for this because I was having to ask the client to take videos and photographs of rough plumbing. And I tried to just batch them and be concise and clear and use um, the client's language, not professional jargon. There were a lot of calls and video calls on site, which was helpful, FaceTime. I'm pivoting now and starting to take on clients for, to consult virtually on things like setting up home office and setting up art arrangements. People need help and we can do this online. To do this virtually. They're also in quarantine, so projects such as setting up toy storage systems are becoming much more apparent to them. <laughs> <laughs> um, communication is going to be done through email, online presentations, and meetings through video and phone. The goal is the same, the means are just different. Currently, I'm just choosing to focus on what I can control and spending my time becoming energized by my work on my personal brand and also with clients. So yeah,
6: that's what I'm up to. <laughs> okay. You know, it, it, <laughs> I'm a, I don't know if I mentioned it, but I'm a, I'm a practitioner as well. Um, so um, it's hearing, hearing these stories is, um, is really good. And especially I, one of the videos I was just watching and I quickly wouldn't download the app was like, about finances and i thought like, well, i don't have that app i gotta go get that app i know how poor my finances are but i still should know how bad they are so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so i'm gonna be a, a big fan of watching all your videos <laughs> i know that, oh great um, yeah. yeah um but yeah think, yeah no, you it's, know,
5: really
6: it's it's interesting i mean i thought I have, um, I do side work uh, in conjunction with my, uh, the firm I work for. I do side projects and, and I know for, for the most part, most of them have been, most of these projects, most of my work going forward on my, on the side is probably going to be reduced because I was doing restaurants and, um, hospitality work type work. And I just, I'm still trying to figure out how to make sense of what the future is when, that seems to be like the one thing that's not going to happen ever again
5: (laughs) well you know Um, I've talked to friends who are in the rest you know who and own restaurants and some of them are you know working but they just have to have less people preparing um, deliveries and adhere to the standards so you know (laughs)
6: <laughs> yeah, I, I live across. People still want to order food. The, yeah, no, exactly. I live across my um, my I, where I live in Minneapolis. there's a was a, a, popular restaurant on the corner, right uh, across the street from my house, and and uh, they're doing takeout three days a week. And so I walk by there, and I'm trying to reimagine, like, what is, what is, what is this going to look like after post COVID? Yeah. How is our world going to look post COVID? so I'm some trying to get into that mindset about like what are the things that are important now and you seem to have have latched onto uh, things that are that make sense to me which is people in these times in this kind of crisis start to try to want to manage want to bring order to to the things that they can bring order to when the whole world is tossed up into the air so everything you're talking about absolutely makes sense to me like okay we're going to We'll wrap our hands around the things we can wrap our hands around, which are tangible. Um, you know, time with family, organization strategies about how to make the home the place you really want to be in for for a long time, instead of just being the place you you come to after work. So,
5: yeah, I think also like even myself. I've been kind of working alongside everybody that I'm posting to. So I'm going to do an IG live on setting up a home office coming up. And I set up my own home office and I finally placed my monitor and I was like, it's just a huge change in my mood.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
5: I felt so much better that I could see better. And so I do think if people can improve their home situations, it will bring relief, you know? Um, so, especially when we're home all the time.
6: So. Yeah. So was, was this a big leap for you to the, uh, to work remotely or was this just kind of seemingly a natural kind of transition as much as whatever natural can be? Does it seem like, yeah, you were born to do this, even though we want to be social people, we still can do this, this kind of work uh, remotely and have it be productive.
5: Yeah. I mean, I think when I first thought about it, I was like, well, how am I going to meet with my colleagues or meet with the other architects that I consult with? And how are we going to discuss problems? And that was like my big kind of hang up. And, but then once I started working and set up my space, I actually kind of enjoy it. And I was thinking about a past project that I worked on where the entire project was virtual and um, the client was out of Georgia. And it was like, went so well. It was a beauty supply store for, and it was when I was working for an architect. And, um, I really think you just need a strong team (laughs) because for this project, we have like very, very enthusiastic clients. And we were working with this mill worker who did all the mill work and just helped us out so much. And so I think it was kind of the same idea with my bathroom renovation Is that the problems are still there, it's a little more heightened because of the situation, but you just solve it virtually. You get on a phone call, you text someone, email someone. So when it comes down to it, we just have to make the, you know, project work, I think. And you know, I was already doing all this online Instagram posting and YouTube videos, so it was natural that I could start focusing on developing that more. Like I'm trying to create Instagram posts for the next few months just to get ahead and starting to do Instagram lives, which I hadn't done previously. So that was very natural for me. And I'll be posting all that content to my YouTube (laughs) channel as well. But um, yeah, (laughs) I guess it's just, it was totally unforeseeable, but I had set myself up well. So that was good.
6: So how How have you been mentally? Because I'm, I'm asking me, I ask these questions because I'm also, like, I'm trying to reassure myself that we'll get through this, we'll be okay. And so part of me asking that is (laughs) saying, telling myself, you're gonna be okay.
5: Yeah. (laughs) No, I mean, it's been, you know, it's. I'm not gonna lie, it's been difficult. You know, I'm, I'm actually not leaving my apartment at all except for doctor's appointments. So
6: Mm -hmm.
5: that's kind of been a addition to work and it's been a hard thing for me. So what I've done is kind of load up on anything I can do to make myself happy. Um whether that's gratitude, meditation, I've been doing a lot of I've been working out more. I've been doing yoga online. Um work makes me happy because it makes me useful and accomplished. So doing all this, you know, work, batching Instagram, trying to create a website all this stuff is kind of stimulating me creatively and it's it it really contributes to my happiness and also working and being able to work with the client and get that completed during this time like that was incredibly gratifying so and facetime and then alone time and trying to relax (laughs) <laughs> so I think that's what I've been doing. So I'm just trying to like bulk up on anything that might make me happy, yeah, <laughs> or healthy. <help. laughs> um, that's like of my approach. So
6: yeah I, yeah, I I understand what you're saying. I think you know I one of the things I'm i the second call I've I've done today, and the one thing that I realize is that being I try to make sure that I'm so busy that I don't have any real free time to, to sit there and dwell in the emotion of like, this is actually happening. So, and, yeah, you know, so being occupied and finding, um, you know, creative outlets, like I'm like you hanging up, I'm hanging artwork that's been, that hasn't been,
0: <laughs> it's been yeah. sitting in
6: piles <laughs> in my house. I've been hanging up things on my walls and <laughs> trying to organize my own work, <laughs> my workspace and, and doing all that stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think what it do you... gives
5: you a sense of accomplishment. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and even like I've been trying to listen to a lot of podcasts, like on professional development and reading and just trying to stimulate my brain and not just, you know, sit on,
2: netflix
6: or you know, like you said yeah. <laughs> keep busy well emma i want to thank you so much for uh, again for doing this and um thanks a lot appreciate it okay thanks so
4: what you'll hear from uh emma which is what is uh really nice is that a really self-confident um, recently, I mean, I don't know if this happened. I presume that she passed all of her exams prior to my conversation because I know the paperwork typically takes time to get from a from a state board. But I know she just posted um, yesterday that she got her license, um, her official license, her big you know eight and a half by eleven license from the state of New York. Yeah, earlier this week. So congratulations to her, but. Really, I mean, she's originally from New Jersey. She lives in uh, Brooklyn now, and not only is she building not only is she building buildings and 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 doing architecture, but she's building her own brand and really thoroughly engaged with clients and the you know the public uh, using YouTube and doing you know talking about how to think about space and how to think about small things. um you know, um families are spending more time together and now it's time to how do we solve this problem of a of uh our children's toys and she's even taking that on as a as a design problem and, and coming up with solutions for space and uh storage and how to hang um artwork and how to think about you know just everything that has to do with the interior environment and and she's doing it in a very lovely way and super engaging um really good personality and it is as you know, going to be a great architect and a great asset. So it was great to hear from her.
3: Yeah, really cool that she is so willing to take on the social media in a way that is very specifically about architecture and not just talking, but showing things, you know, having, uh, doing consulting through it. I mean, uh, yeah, very impressive.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's something that a lot of architects can really focus a lot of energy onto right now if if they have lost their job or if they have the time right now is to really take advantage of all of the opportunities that exist online to just improve your own brand and, and kind of yep. develop, develop a, b- a voice through social media and YouTube. And so it's, yeah, it's great to see people doing that. Things have changed a lot.
4: Yeah. And she's just very confident about, it. you know, I think, I mean, I, I, I certainly, there's a lot of things I see in many architects and then a lot of the ones that I've talked to that I don't recognize in myself. And it's, uh, an absolute self-confidence in what they're doing. And maybe, you know, that's how they present themselves to people they don't know, or maybe they're different (laughs) when they're looking in the mirror. (laughs) But at least Mm -hmm. I had the sense from the people that I spoke with, and especially a young architect like Emma, is I didn't have that kind of confidence. I didn't have it. I wasn't And you know, I, I don't, I don't know if 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 it's imposter syndrome, but I certainly don't feel like I talk like Stephen Ward or I talk like other people who are in the profession who sound very professional. And so it's nice to to see models that are not like me because I don't think I'm much of a, a model for young architects to follow, <laughs> and which I think is good.
3: <laughs> I mean, but to me, I mean, it it in some ways points to me to hopefully. The generation of people that are in school now or were recently are not being as beat down as we were through the architect, the kind of architecture schooling that we went to that really sort of required this. You have to kneel at the feet of the master and you have to pull charrettes for 72 hours. And, you know, maybe things are getting maybe maybe the not. Even if the education system itself is not getting better, maybe what the social media tools are giving people is the opportunity to realize that they can have a way of getting their voice out there that doesn't require going through the gatekeepers. Right. I mean, for us to as as uh, back in the 80s, (laughs) as young architects to put something out in the world, we had to have an, an avenue, a venue to do it through and, you know until Archonnect came along, there was nothing online that we could do it through. And then Archonnect gave us uh, a place to share some voices. And now, you know, Instagram and everything does too. And it's excellent for people like Emma that they can, they can put stuff out there and see what works. And uh, yeah, I think I would be hopeful that the Architecture's education right now is less about soul crushing of young people and more about empowering them. That's that that would be my my very naive perhaps view.
4: No, I don't think it is. Uh, see, here's the thing: I don't think it is naive. I wish the profession and the professional organization could see, and I think they, I think they like to believe they do, but it's certainly not represented in the boardrooms or in the in the um, firm management that. This right. is, a, this is real, right? but not yet. seeing it through our eyes, uh, I have absolutely all of the confidence in the world in Emma and Nikolai and all of the people that we've talked yeah. to and in the ability to run firms, even with Emma's, you know, I, I don't know her entire background. I'm sure she talks about it on the, on the, in the conversation. So I'm not going to get into it, but you know, she's fairly new, uh, professional and and I have no problem working and like having this person lead a firm. I just don't. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, that's one of the, that's one thing I think I hope, I hope that comes out of this is that this fear about having people working from home and this idea that, that, that I'm going to be working from home and stealing from you at the same time which is, I think, the general consensus of firm management, yeah. that that goes away. Because I think, you know, I think we know what to do. And if you just get the fuck out of the way and let us do our <laughs> shit, <laughs> we can do our stuff. Yeah, You know, Corky, uh, what is his name? Corky Poster. Corky Poster isn't <laughs> calling up the firm every other day going, hey, did you fucking get that shop drawing done?
3: Right? I mean. <laughs> and my bosses are not either. The people who employ me, they are, they are extremely trustworthy that we as a team are getting our work done. And the the younger people on my team that I'm managing, they're just rocking it. They're doing so great. So, yeah, I have absolute faith,
0: too. I think another another really, you know, positive or valuable aspect of kind of developing your own voice and your own personal brand through social media during this time when uh, people may be out of work is that it would it it will dramatically improve your ability to get a great job, you know, when Mm -hmm. when you when it when the, those opportunities arise, because, you know, as an employer myself, I, I have tremendous amount of value on, on hiring people that can show that they have thoughts and they're able to communicate those thoughts and they're ambitious. And the people that, that go out there and create a voice for themselves and get their voice publicized and, you know, to be able to, to kind of evaluate that person's, that person's, uh, ideas through, already established mediums, you know, like that it's a huge leg up on the competition when it comes to looking for a job. And you're able to also, you know, find a job that suits you better if you if you can clearly communicate who you are and what your values are and where your expertise lies.
4: Especially someone like Emma, who's who's definitely you know if somebody, if some if she's if she's in the market for a job, all she's got to do is send the person she's her YouTube channel. If you want to know, I mean, I, I've taken now to using um, oh, what is it, Strength Finders? Somebody was actually refer, in an interview, referenced Strength Finders, and I did that and I sent them my report. <laughs> I'm like, here's the kind. If you want to know what kind of person I am, here it is. This this is who you're hiring.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's very transparent. Straight to the point. I mean, it's, it's exactly what people look for when they're recruiting. So, yeah, I mean, use this time to, uh, to create a YouTube account, Instagram, whatever, and, and really focus on on uh, presenting to the public who you are and what your goals are and what kind of value you can bring an, an organization when, you, when it's time to, to get a new job. All right, so let's move on to the last conversation this week. This was a conversation I had with two partners at a small practice based out of uh, Harlem in uh, New York, Brant Knapp and Jerome Hafford. They are partners at, at a studio called Brant Hafford. Yeah, let's let's listen to their story.
7: Uh, my name is Brant Knapp, and I'm here with my design partner, Jerome Hafford. Um, and we have a small design practice out of East Harlem, New York called Brant Hayford. And I guess for us, the first thing we noticed was, okay, how how are we going to work remotely? Uh, Which was much simpler than I would have thought. Zoom meetings are the new norm. And I think like, you know, I brought home my computer, my big computer that we have in our office. And outside of that that simple move. We were, I think Friday was the last day that we were in an office and then that Monday morning we were on a Zoom call with our intern. So it in terms of like work, it was a shift, but that shift was easy compared to to what followed, which was, you know, finding that the few projects that were paying projects in the office either went on, you know, indefinite hold, one of them was canceled. And we kind of had to rethink our strategy, both for the spring and then, you know, thinking towards the future. And yeah, I mean, I, I have more to add, but Jerome, do you have something? <laughs> uh,
8: sure. I- I'm Jerome. Um, like Brant said, the other half of our practice, we yeah, uh just to build on that, we kind of shifted to remote. We really only have one employee in the office besides ourselves right now, and she was she was already commuting, so in a way it streamlined that process. And you know, in some ways when looking out at what to do now with a little bit of extra time, it actually this this whole crisis kind of hit our office at a bit of a moment of transition anyhow, because Brandt is preparing to have a short period of maternity leave in May or June. So we, in a way, we, it sort of sped up some of our shifting of some things, some more kind of research and exploratory work sort of projects that we typically do in early summertime. We decided to kind of Switch that around and maybe do some more of this R and D. In this case, um, we're doing a small design competition uh, and brought on actually a new remote intern to do that with us now, as opposed to maybe doing that a little later in the summer. It's one of the things that we've done to keep ourselves busy.
7: And we're, you know, in New York, and we have, you know, a lot of of colleagues that are in a, a similar place to us, and then of course those that are, you know, ten years ahead and there's been a uh, many uh, discussions around the small business loans around grants and around you know what to do like how to to pay like who, who's paying rent i guess there have been many landlords that have have given a 3 month you know wave Not i shouldn't say wave but maybe pushing back and so it's Difficult. not due for 3 months yeah
2: so, how for, far have you guys navigated that? Did you apply for any of the small business uh administration uh stimulus loans?
7: Well we are i mean we mm-hmm.
8: oh, go ahead Brent.
7: I was just going to say I think i I wrote something like this in the email. For us, we would have loved to have applied for them, and we have been collaborating for even since grad school so over ten years. Um, our first built project was in 2012, and we've had a, a studio space that we've rented for over two years. But we're still not, and I think actually a lot of architecture firms are in a precarious place where it's difficult to kind of like prove that you've lost, you know, a certain percentage um, of your revenue when we're when, the way that we bill, so because we're a service industry. And then for us, I feel like it, it just Maybe, in five years, it would be a little bit more simple for us to be able to fill out those forms. But what we ended up doing after lots of discussions with people in our place and people that are five, ten years ahead of us is starting to also look at you know artist scraps and other types of of ways that we might be able to receive funds if we need it. I think most people are like okay for a month or two, but Now that this has been (laughs) a month or more, we're thinking about, okay, what happens in in July, August, September. Mm -hmm. The big thing is that that's been a cool discussion with some of these groups that we've been part of has been that there's been an advocacy to maybe talk to our officials and think about how we could have government work, how we can maybe team up with larger firms, just more support for us, very, very small. Under five people, firm.
2: So you're looking at alternative uh, methods of, of funding with grants and stuff uh, because the the current SBA offerings weren't a natural fit for your type of uh, business model. Yeah, we're
8: still. Yeah, I mean, we're looking at we're looking we're looking at the different options that are available and sort of seeing. You know, the for instance, the amount of even time it takes to fill out some of these applications versus the sort of return on that and the the due diligence that that's required to then keep up and and approve that the funds were allocated where they should be. It's a little bit intimidating for an office our size to dive into that. We have sort. We're now kind of taking, as Brant mentioned, a bit of a longer term view at this, and even thinking about okay, you know, we actually as an office have not in our st- strategy over the last few years ever taken on debt for instance we've really we've really run the office kind of without taking on debt but you know we're now looking at this new kind of low to 0% loan landscape that's been opened up by this crisis and are thinking about just some of our bigger picture strategic moves as an office and if it makes sense to pursue some of those loans that are out there but The short answer is no, we have not yet taken advantage of the programs that have been put out. Um, It it doesn't yet make sense for us, given our our size.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, I imagine that, you know, in the architecture field, it's it's uh, recessions can be especially challenging. So the thought of taking on debt, even if a portion of that debt Mm -hmm. is forgivable, can be quite difficult. Mm-hmm. You know, assuming mm-hmm. assuming that business will resume as it as it has been, because you know sometimes mm-hmm. these these uh, recessions are an opportunity to rethink the way the approach that that small businesses take, especially mm-hmm. you know a, a situation like this where there's this viral outbreak that perhaps is going to have much larger implications in the future than than previous recessions. Mm-hmm. hmm So I have yeah, I have. So uh, you you guys are both based in in uh, in Harlem is that right or or in uh, New York? Right. yeah and we live mm-hmm. in Harlem and our our studio our office is in Harlem as well so have you stayed healthy it's been it's been uh, pretty <laughs> nasty out there <laughs> yes. yeah
7: yeah I, I mean as Jerome already mentioned I'm over thirty two weeks pregnant so you know, I really have only left the house to go on hikes during the weekends and it's out of an abundance of of caution but also one thing to be grateful for in terms of my personal life is that, you know, I'm kind of in a nothing period anyway right now. And we've we have been quite busy with all of the Zoom meetings and calls. I've been both my husband and I have both been very busy during the week and then the weekend is the time to, to take a drive and go somewhere remote, and yeah, spend some time on a hike.
2: Oh, so, 32 weeks. So you're you're uh, technically in that safe zone already. You could you could have your baby any yeah. day now, and, and it's. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs>
7: yeah. Have you
2: have you had much anxiety about that about the the timing?
7: Well, I mean, actually, I feel like I've handled all of this stuff pretty well, like with a grain of fault like okay you know I've been looking at the what was going on in China like in January even so I've been looking and I've kind of processed it but it wasn't until it was actually my hospital uh, New York Presbyterian that had announced that they were not going to allow any birthing partners for labor and there was like a week period where I like was having nightmares you know I caught myself just you know, having a few crying sessions and like even just trying to figure out and think, do I want to switch hospitals? And then I thought, oh, well, you know, this hospital is like the leading hospital. Everyone else is going to follow suit. You know, maybe I should try a home birth though. You know, I I went through IVF for a few years and I'm almost 40. Like maybe I should be in the hospital. Um, so it, it that was a stressful week. And then Governor Cuomo announced that that they're that that's ridiculous and that of course women in labor should have a birthing partner with them and so that it was it was changed within a week and i feel much better now
6: oh uh, good, but it's
7: good. it's scary
2: i i imagine yeah and i and i uh but that's it's nice to hear you thinking about all the the benefits of of you know the timing in in terms of you know being able to nest, uh, or being forced to nest, I guess, in a way it's, uh, I I know as, you know, my wife, I remember when, when she had our children, she was juggling a, uh, you know, a full-time job and, you know, how to, how to, how to manage that balance. But we are being
7: Mm -hmm.
2: put into a position where we don't have much choice, but for us to all collectively nest.
7: Absolutely. Yeah, I also just want to mention that um I'm sure that maybe you already know this, but you know, the the group some of them were much more grassroots and our friends trying to figure out what to do with these loans, but also, you know, for listeners, the AIA New York um the center, they have a small firm network kickoff this past week and I think they're going to have weekly calls. There's also a group that we're part of that formed. It's called the Design Advocate, and they're also doing weekly calls. And then, you know, there's the lobby that has now done surveys around this topic. I mm-hmm. filled out your survey. There just seems to be a lot going on, which is right Which is great that
8: and we yeah, and, and you know with with all of that going on we we we're definitely encouraged to see that there seems to be just a greater degree of kind of self advocacy of the architecture world around this and you know our hope our hope is that you know this will kind of merge with some of the bigger national-level conversations, including like the Green New Deal, for instance, into a better infrastructure to support small practices, for instance. And that the that the city and the state, once this is all over, will rethink some of the way that they run things um, and kind of rise to meet that challenge that we're putting out there for all of this.
7: And maybe... Maybe this is super optimistic, but even beyond that, I think this is exposing issues that we have in in bureaucracy and hospital systems and bigger uh, larger systems that, that maybe should be you know rethought and just to be an optimist, let's hope that something good comes out of all of this rethinking of how things are done.
2: Absolutely. I think that that is a uh, such a good point to to bring up. You know, it's, it's a it's it, we have an opportunity right now for these grassroots initiatives that I think can have much bigger impacts than than uh, than they can at other times. You know, I, I see a lot of smaller groups taking actions that larger institutions are then clearly uh responding to uh-huh. and and following up with so
8: mm-hmm. the,
2: the, the bigger yeah. vo- voices that that the individuals have right now the the better uh, situation i think will be in going forward
8: mm-hmm. yeah because there may not be you know there may not be as much private work happening for a little while and so it, you know a la the new deal are there ways to, that this almost might accelerate some of those conversations as to what are some infrastructure projects that we need to get done or, you know, smaller municipalities having a better degree of access to these New York design practices and streamlining that process. Um, would be amazing to see some of that happen out of this. Absolutely. Well,
2: hopefully these these ideas that you're sharing with us right now are going to be heard by people and, and, and uh, more action will be taken.
0: All right. I think this conversation brought up a lot of really interesting points. I think I was really struck. I mean, in addition to the fact that that Brent was 32 weeks pregnant at the time of this conversation, which was a <laughs> few weeks ago, she might already have a, a baby. And and you know, living in uh, New York City right now, 32 weeks pregnant—that's uh, that's a pretty stressful thing to to take on. In addition to running your own small practice, but I, I was really struck by their focus on grassroots initiatives right now you know and i think that there are a lot of this is a perfect time to instigate change through grassroots initiatives i think you know we've seen the kinds of the kind of messaging that's coming from organizations like the architecture lobby and smaller groups that are able to like to kind of be more nimble and less kind of held back through like bureaucracy and and traditional modes of operation to make change. You know, I think in the last couple of months, I've seen large organizations kind of following suit from smaller grassroots initiatives that are kind of leading the conversations so, you know, I think that it was encouraging hearing that and and recognizing that if people want to make these changes right now, you can do it. This is a really good time to do it.
4: I'm less I'm less afraid about I don't know what it is. I don't know why. I don't know if I just don't give a shit anymore. Um,
3: <laughs> when
4: the economy crashed in 2000 and uh, I got laid off a week after Obama was elected and I was pretty much out of work for a year and a half. And it was scary as Fuck! I mean, I had never gone, never, never. My, I just, I just was in a house for for barely a year. Right, you just bought your house. Just bought my house, and I bought it at the fucking peak. And I was like yep. panicked. I was like, oh my god! And you know, now that I own my house clear, I, I have, a, I just have this. You know, I just saw that the report today. I think it was on New York Times at one point six million homes, homeowners mortgages have not been paid in like a month, and. I was thinking about it. I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not worried about I don't know why I'm not worried about it. I mean, I, I know I have a job and all, and, you know, that could, that could change. Um, anything, anything could change. Right. But, um, yeah, I don't see the sheriffs come knocking on my door telling me to move the fuck out. So, yet I just, because you, you, just, <laughs> we're not at the, uh, we're caught up in something that is completely, this is close. To uh, an act of God, as you can possibly imagine. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. Um, yeah, it didn't help that we had a fucking bozo running things. <laughs> I mean, you know. But um, yeah, I'm I'm less. I don't know why. I just don't know why. I. Just, I think I said. I was thinking about it before we got on the call because I could think, you know, I'm like, am I not being rational here? I just don't care. Well, I don't know. I mean, I did, you know, I don't, you saw I posted on the website. You know, one of the things I told, I talked to Linda this week, I said, I think we need to start making plans to emigrate to Canada.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Paul, you've got family up there, right? Can we all go crash at your family's house?
0: (laughs) Oh, I got family and one foot up there. I was actually crunching the numbers the other day, and uh, where where my family mostly lives in Canada, the infection rate is so incredibly uh, it's so much lower than it is here in LA. Wow, really? It's crazy, but I, I mean. Canada's, you know, Vancouver looking pretty good right now. Yeah. I'm going to BC. <laughs> yeah. I do have a lot of family in Canada and, and I do think that, uh, you know, as I've mentioned before, I believe in one of these conversations, I do think that this, this situation is kind of showing the cracks in, uh, in capitalism, and you know the U.S. is kind of based, uh, built on capitalism, so you know we're we're suffering some consequences uh, as a result. And 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 uh, I mean, I know that during the last recession in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, Canada was not nearly as badly hit as the U.S. That said, in good times, Canada does not does not experience the same kind of highs that. That other countries like the United States experiences, you know, that's, it's a much more moderate economy and culture and kind of socioeconomic fabric that at times like this is very, very desirable when things are great it's not as exciting but you know it's it's uh that's the way it goes
4: yeah and that's
0: exactly what i said to linda i said
4: i am and the reason why i'm like you know what i don't know if i have it in me to spend the last 30 of 30 years or so of my life on a on an endless um struggle mm-hmm. yeah i'm getting kind of tired of yeah. it I don't need to be fighting the same fight I was fighting at twenty-five that, that exactly. at, you know, when I turned fifty-two next week. So <laughs> uh, I don't want to be doing that same shit anymore.
0: And a lot of the people we've been talking to, I mean, a lot of the people are in their forties, fifties, maybe sixties, and they are not they're not currently going through, I think, what they were expecting to be going through at that point. You know, you're you kind of expect that at at you know, once you kind of cross that hump at at forty, life becomes gradually more and more easy everything becomes more comfortable a situation like what we're going through right now kind of just wipes that all yeah. out it's yeah. it's kind of it kind of feels like starting from yeah. scratch
3: yeah no i didn't think i'd be working this hard when i was this old <laughs> Oh man. Oh, but I now I feel like we're getting into a really yeah. depressing uh, conversation when we should be hoping that Brant has had her baby and that everything's great and healthy and she's madly in love with the baby because that's what happens when you have a baby. So, yeah, I'm I'm hopeful that if well, she has that she will reach out to us and let us let us see some baby pics. And you know what? Every baby it gives you hope even even in the face of all of this. Yep. When a baby comes, it just makes you want to recommit to being a good human again. So, yeah, let's hope.
0: Well, she did mention that this time was was kind of, uh, in a way, it was good for her because she, yeah. she was forced to begin nesting, which exactly. is a phase that you need to do before having a baby. And, you know, there's no better time than now to just stay at home with a baby.
3: Absolutely. So, best of wishes to her. Hopefully, it all went very well, and
0: everyone's happy and healthy. I will follow up with her before we release this podcast. Okay, and uh, i'll I'll put in the show notes what her uh, what what the the status of of the baby is. <laughs> Before we end this week, Donna, I finally started watching Years and Years. Yeah. One hundred percent, one hundred percent, because of the the comments you made about it. And wow, it's wow. it's uh, it's intense. It's I, I'm wonderful. loving it so far, but it is.
3: It's fantastic. It
0: is scary as fuck it because sure there are so many. <laughs> I mean, it really, it really, I mean, the, the idea behind it is that each episode moves ahead five years. Is that, that's right, yeah, right? Because I'm only so. on the second yeah. episode. And, yeah, and you know, we're at, at the second episode, we're at 2029. Yeah. Pence, Pence is the president, but he's, he's clearly uh, understood as the, uh, the puppet president, you know, behind uh, the puppet master of uh, ex-president Trump. Yeah, And there, I mean, there's so many things about this. Uh, there's so many aspects about this show that are just, that feel a little too pres-
3: Absolutely. Uh, I kind of feel like I should watch it again now because it's been a while since I did. But yeah, Yeah, I remember it was painful.
0: It was painful.
3: It was painful. Yeah. Oh, God. Scary.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, for those of you listening, if you want to watch it, don't don't expect to watch anything that is going to help you go to sleep. Yeah. So you might you might not want to watch it right before going to bed. But it's uh, it's definitely a little anxiety inducing. But, you know, if you're into that kind of stuff, you'll love it. Yeah.
3: And beautifully made.
0: Very, very beautifully made. And and uh, um, I mean, it does. I think it was you that made a comment that it was a little Black Mirror-ish. Someone said that. Yeah. Okay. If you like Black Mirror, you'd probably dig Absolutely. this. Uh, Would
4: well, you watch that Philip Roth series on HBO as well?
3: I have not. What is it? What's it called?
0: I haven't either.
4: Oh, okay. It's really good. It's, it's just as... I don't know if there's going to the be... Plot a Plot Against so,
0: America? Yeah.
3: Is that it? Plot Against America? Yeah. That sounds distressing. <laughs> It is. It's, uh, well, it's,
4: I think it's born out of his, you know, growing up, um, with, um, remembering the stories about, um, Charles Lindbergh mm, and, um, right, right, right. yep. Lindbergh it turns, yep. turns Charles
3: Lindbergh into the yes.
4: president of the United States.
3: Yeah. I have heard of it. Okay. Oh man.
0: Oh, it's an alternate, alternate yeah. history. Yes. Interesting. Well, that'll be next on my list of, uh, anxiety inducing. <laughs> <laughs> Late night entertainment.
3: Yeah. Okay, well...
0: And uh so yeah, that concludes our show for this week. Uh hope everyone's been enjoying these conversations. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, you can reach us at Twitter on our Twitter account, ArcSessions, or with hashtag ArcConnectSessions. or you can send us an email to connect at If you would like to talk about your own story, let us know. We're interested in in uh reporting on anything of significance among the architecture industry. So uh, talk to us. And uh, Give us a rating and review on on iTunes if you if you enjoy the show and uh, thanks to everybody for listening and we will talk to you next time.